Act One of The Squire by Arthur Wing Pinero. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Squire. Characters. The Reverend Paul Dormer. Read by Todd. Lieutenant Eric Thorndike. Read by Larry Wilson. Gilbert Hythe. Read by Thomas Peter. Gunnion. Read by Alan Mapstone. Isod Haggerston. Read by Adrian Stevens. Fell. Read by Nemo. Rob Johns. Junior. Read by Son of the Exiles. The Representative of the Pagley Mercury. Read by Frédéric Surger. Kate Verity, read by Sonia. Christiana Haggerston, read by Linda Olsen Vitak. Felicity Gunyon, read by Devorah Allen. Dame, read by T.J. Burns. Child, read by Roland Fellows. Loud Voice, read by Loada. Man's Voice, read by Adam Bielka. Woman's Voice, read by Eva Davis. Voice, read by Jim Locke. Stage Directions, read by Michael Max. The Squire. Act One. The Secret. Scene. The exterior of a decayed, weather-beaten, Elizabethan mansion, overgrown with ivy and autumn-tinted creeper. On the right, the lower part of a tower, square or circular. Facing the audience, about five feet from the ground, a door opening into the tower, the entrance proper to the house. This door leads out onto a stone terrace, which is run off the stage right, and which terminates, right centre, in a few broken and irregular steps. At the foot of the steps, centre of stage, an old halting stone. Below the terrace, right, a wooden garden seat. On the right of the garden seat, a small rustic table, on which is a work-basket with materials for needlework. At back, upstage, the house runs from right to left. In right corner, a piece of broken stonework almost concealed by ivy forming a footing to gain a broad beam which runs about twelve feet from the ground from right to left. Above the beam, two substantial casement windows, right, centre and left. Below the beams, right, centre, a window, and on the left, a large archway with broken iron gates leaning against its walls. Through the archway, a bright view of farmyards, ricks, etc., etc. On the left, continuing the house wall down the stage, an outhouse, suggesting a kitchen dairy. Outside this, upstage left, a wooden bench with milk pails, etc. Downstage, a door leading into outhouse. Above door, left centre, a rough deal table and two chairs. The ground is flagged with broken stones, which are much overgrown with moss and weed. Bright music at opening, lights full up. At rise of curtain, the bell rings in a discordant way. Christiana Haggerston, discovered left, scrubbing a small wooden pail. Christiana is a handsome, dark woman with the tinge of the gypsy upon her face. What is it? Puts pale on form left. Goes up into archway and looks off right. Izod, off stage. Hello, Christy. Why come in, Izod, darling? What's wrong? Izod, right, off stage. It's the dog. He can't abide me. Christiana. Hurls her scrubbing brush at the dog. Lie down, you beast. Come along, Izzo, dear. 
Izod backs on as though afraid of dog. Izod Haggerston enters through archway. He is a little, thin, dark fellow, half cad, half gypsy, with a brown face and crisp, curly black hair. He is dirty and disreputable, an idler and a sneak. Christiana, putting her arms round his neck. I haven't seen you for nearly a week, brother dear. Izod, shaking himself clear. All right, don't maul Christy. If the squire was more commonly civil to a poor chap, you'd see a little more of me. I want something to drink, and some coin for tobacco. Christiana, standing by him and stroking his head. No luck, dearie. Luck? No. The farmers won't look at a fellow with a dark skin. Curse em. The brutes. Fondling him. Well, don't maul Christy. I'm dead dry. Christiana, looking round. Why, dear, and I'll bring you a drink. She crosses to left. She goes into outhouse left. Izod looks round towards door, right centre, with an evil expression. He then deliberately takes off the coloured handkerchief which he wears round his neck, unfolds it, and produces a bunch of bright keys. Izod, jingling the keys and looking towards the door, right centre. Keys? I wonder if keys are worth anything. Slips keys into side pocket and crosses to door left, meeting Christiana, who comes out with a mug of milk, snatching it from her. There's a dear. He puts mug to lips and takes it away quickly, wiping his mouth with the back of his hand. Pah! You're a good sort of a sister. Milk! I doesn't up the ale without squire's orders. The new barrel isn't to be touched till the harvest feast. Down with it. It's meat and drink. Uh, here goes. Confound the squire. He drinks, giving back mug, and holds out hand for coin. She puts mug on table. Coin for tobacco? Don't spend your money on tobacco, darling. Have a meal. I had a meal yesterday, midday. Proudly. I earned two shillings in half an hour. Good gracious! How? Izod, walking right and back. I and old Mrs Thorndyke's gardener carried a sick woman on a litter from Packley Railway Station to the White Line at Market Sinfield. Oh, she was a weight. Sits right of left table. Carried a sick woman on a litter. Leans against table, left of it. The railway journey had upset her, and the doctor said she was too ill to be shook up on the roadway. A common woman, or a lady? A lady, jolly dark, jolly pretty, and jolly ill. Christiana, curiously. What does she do at an inn in Market Senfield? Sits on table. She gave out that she was a stranger in these parts, and wanted to see a clergyman. She was a wait. Well? So I fetched Mr Dormer, the mad parson. Did he go to her? I don't know. Coin for tobacco? Rises. Isaac goes up to Arch. I've only got a little money. I'll fetch it to you. She takes up Mug reflectively. A pretty lady in Market Sinfield. Very dark, very ill, and among strangers. Ah, how unlucky all dark women seem to be. Coin for tobacco. Wrapping table. Christiana, starting. Oh, yes, dear. She goes off left. Izod again produces the keys and jingles them on the table, glancing in the direction of door right centre. Keys and a name cut on the key ring. Shaking them. What sort of tune do they play, I wonder? Rises. Christiana re-enters carrying a small purse. She comes left of table and empties the contents into his right hand. Counting money. Five bob. Leave me a little. Izod, pocketing money. There's a shilling for you. I'll pay you what I owe you when you coax the squire to employ me regularly on the farm. Goes to right centre. That'll never be. I've tried. 
Here for you. Showing bunch of keys. Look there. Don't snatch. Read the name on the ring. Showing the ring only. She examines the ring, which he still holds fast. The name of the man who is always hanging about this place. Where did you get this? Gilbert Hyes appears in the archway from left. As he enters, they separate. Eyes are to right, she to left. Is the squire indoors, Christie? He comes down centre. He is a fine, strapping fellow about thirty, dressed roughly in an old velvet jacket, cords and gaiters. He carries a light, double-barrelled gun. Yes, Mr. Ith. Gilbert, seeing Isod. What the devil are you doing here? Nothing. That's what you're always doing everywhere. Get out. I cleaned the windows here last Tuesday, and I haven't been paid for it. That's a lie. Goes towards him. Well then, I have been paid for it, and I've come to visit me dear sister. Look here, I thought. I've had half an hour at the ricks this morning, ferreting the rats. A man shoots rats because they are vermin. It's lucky for you, and idlers like you, that you're on two legs instead of four. For shame, Gilbert Ith. I'm his sister. I beg your pardon, Christy. I ought to have held my tongue before you. Look here, Isot, my lad. You know that the squire can't bear the sight of loafers and ne'er-do-wells. Why don't you go where you're welcome? Goes upstage to Archway. Where's that? I've mislaid the address. Gilbert, in Archway. Christy, tell the squire that I have brought two men with me. Young Rob Johns, the fiddler's son, and a newspaper chap. Very well. And your dinner is waiting for you, Mr. Ith. Pointing to door left. And has been this half hour. My dinner? Oh, yes. Eyes odd, old fellow. Eat my dinner for me. I'm busy. Thank you, Mr. Ith. And then pull yourself together, man, and work. Gilbert goes off upstage through archway. Christiana comes quickly to Isod, who gets to centre. Christie goes upstage and looks after Gilbert. Tell me, dear, 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 where did you find that key ring? Isod looks round cautiously, pointing to windows above archway. I cleaned those windows here last week, and badly paid I was for the job. Well? On that beam, which is broad enough for a man to crawl along, I found this bunch of keys. What does that mean? Look here. He goes upstage, right centre, to the stonework which runs up to the coping. Do you see this? An easy flight of steps up to that window sill. What of it? Isod, pointing to the ivy running up the wall. The ivy is old and strong enough. If you clutch it, no fear of falling. What of it? Isod, removing some of the leaves from the stonework. Look there, footprints, where a boot has kicked away the old crust from the stones. What of it? Isod, pointing above. More footprints up there, stopping at that window, and under the window this key ring without a speck of rust on it. Tell me what you think. Tell me what you mean. Isod comes down to her. I mean that this is the squire's room, and that this bunch of keys belongs to the man who seems more anxious than anyone in the parish to be in the squire's company. I mean that if the squire wants to entertain a visitor, unbeknown to you or anybody about the place, that is the way in. Climb to a window when there's a door there. Isod pointing to door right centre. Who sleeps at the head of the stairs, outside the squire's room? I do. Isod gives a short whistle. But the dog, Isod, nobody that the dog doesn't love, dares try to pass the gateway. The dog. Who gave the dog to the squire a twelve-month back? Ah. Isod, holding out a bunch of keys. Why, the man whose name is cut on that key ring... Christiana snatches the keys from him and puts them behind her back. Isod seizes her hand. Give them up to me, you devil. I'll call Gilbert Ith if you touch me, darling. He releases her. Listen, Isod. 
i've been here on this bit o land resting under this old roof and working in this old yard since i was a mite so high i've been here in times of merry-making and in times of mourning and i've seen the grass grow all over the varieties but one the squire who gives me the same living that goes to the best table and as soft as pillow as lies on the best bed no i'll keep the keys Ezo dear you go and swallow gilbert ith's dinner Isod slouches over to door left with a scowl you don't care if the squire does snub your poor brother for you've nothing of the gypsy but the skin he goes into outhouse door left christiana looks at the keys and slips them into her pocket a bunch of his keys and they are safer in my pocket than in Ezode's. poor Ezode is so impulsive she crosses to right centre goes up the steps and calls at the door squire squire here's gilbert ith with two men don't let em bring their boots indoors Isod appears at door left christiana christiana turning hush coming down steps how long am i to be treated like this what's wrong dear what's wrong why it's only cold meat go in Isod. here's the squire go in she pushes Isod in left Kate Verity comes out of house right centre and down the steps. She is a pretty woman, bright, fresh, and cheery. She carries a small key basket containing keys and an account book and pencil, which she places on right table as she turns from Gilbert. She throws the shawl over the mounting stone as Gilbert Hythe appears in the doorway followed by Rob Johns, Jr., a mild-looking, fair youth, and a shabby person in black with a red face. Christiana. I'm close at hand if you want me, squire. Here's Gilbert. She goes into outhouse left. What are you doing with the gun, Gilbert? I've been putting the ferrets at the ricks. Holding out hand eagerly. Good afternoon, squire. Kate shakes her head at Gilbert. What a mania you have for shaking hands, Gilbert. Gilbert, withdrawing his hand. I beg your pardon. Who are those men? The son of old Rob Johns, the fiddler, and a reporting man on the Mercury. Well, Master Rob Johns, how's your father? Sits right. Rob Johns comes down, left centre, nervously. Father's respects, and he's ill abed with rheumatics. And he hopes it'll make no difference. Who's to play the fiddle tomorrow night for the harvest folks? Father wants me to take his place. I'm not nearly such a good fiddler as father is, and he hopes it'll make no difference. Your father has played at every harvest feast here for the last five and twenty years. Is he very ill? Father's respects and he's as bad as he can well be and he hopes it'll make no difference good gracious gilbert have you sent the doctor the doctor's busy with an invalid at the white lion at market sinfield a stranger no stranger has a right to all the doctor rises and stands by table right making notes in book all right master rob johns you shall play the fiddle to-morrow night Thank ye, squire. Christy. Christy. Christiana, from within, left. Yes. Give Master Rob Johns something to drink. Christiana, appearing at the door. Yes, squire. She retires. And give my love, the squire's love, to father, and tell him to keep a good heart. Thank ye, squire. But father sends his respects and thinks he's a dead un, and hopes it'll make no difference. Rob Johns goes over to left, meeting Christiana, who gives him a mug of milk and retires. Rob John sits left and drinks on form. Kate sits on stone centre, sharply to the shabby person who is upstage. Now then, sir, what do you want? 
shabby person who is evidently addicted to drink. I, er, uh, yes. To Gilbert. Is this Miss Verite? That is the squire. The squire. The squire in these parts is the person who owns Verity's lands. Miss Verity chooses to be regarded as the squire, and to be called so. Passes behind squire. Quite so. Hmm. The editor of the Pegley Mercury and Market Sidfield Herald, with which are incorporated the innkeeper's manual and the agriculturist's guide, presents his compliments to Squire Verity, and regarding the ever-spreading influence of modern journalism, requests that I, its representative, may be permitted to be present at Squire Verity's harvest feast tomorrow evening. Kate laughs heartily. The shabby person looks round at Rob Johns to ascertain the cause of her amusement. Journalism is as a tree, its roots is abated in our constitution, while its branches... All right, you can come. Shabby person, raising his arms. While its branches... All right, you can come. Thank you. Would you... Noticing his face. Oh, dear. I beg pardon. Would you... Would you like anything to drink? Yes. Christy? Christy. Are you quite sure? Positive. Sits right of table. Christiana appears at door left. Christy? Milk. Uh, I should prefer ale. Rises quickly. The old cask has run out, and the new one isn't to be tapped till tomorrow. I don't think I really need anything. I'm very moderate. Thank you. Good day. Rob Johns puts mug on form, rises, and goes upstage, wiping mouth. Shabby person hurries off through archway. Kate laughs. Goodbye, Master Rob Johns. Rob Johns, turning round, upstage. Father's respects, and he's always here to forecut up the ducks at the harvest fest. Well? Father's mortally fond of duck, but he's always cut em up fair and friendly. Yes? My best respects to ye, squire, and as I come in place of father, I hope you'll make no difference. Good aid ye, squire. He goes off through archway. Kate rises, goes up centre and down left centre. Thank you, Gilbert, for thinking so much of tomorrow. Gilbert, looking at her earnestly. Don't name it, squire. Kate, awkwardly. The summer's over. The winds are getting quite cold. Good afternoon, Gilbert. Kate takes shawl off stone and goes towards steps, where Gilbert intercepts her. Squire? Yes? Will you listen to me? Business? The business of my life. Oh, Gilbert, again? Sits. Gilbert puts gun down right of archway. Squire, Squire Kate, I... I can't take no for an answer. Are you a strong man or a weak one? Strong enough to keep from drink and gambling when you make me mad. Weak enough to crawl about this place for the sake of a look from you. Strong enough to love you with all my soul. Weak enough not to hate you for wrecking my life. <laughs> Don't talk fiddle-dee-dee nonsense about your life being wrecked. Gilbert, we were children together. We were lad and less together. And perhaps, if we both live... We may be old people together, but we mustn't be man and woman together. It doesn't answer. Now tell me, what are you supposed to be on my land? Folks call me the bailiff, but I'm more of a handyman. I work for Squire Kate, my dear master. And I love Squire Kate, my dear mistress. Then take a word of advice. Cut yourself adrift from Squire Kate's apron strings. Gilbert turns away. 
when my father john verity died and left his girl alone in the world you helped me out of debt and difficulty but all the skill on earth can never squeeze more than bread and butter out of this dear broken-down old place she rises so go away where there's a world for you a world to work in and a world to live in she holds out her hand to him thank you for the past good-bye if i come back rich in a year would there be any chance for me no good-bye dear squire kate goes to her good-bye old friend gilbert they shake hands she sits on garden seat thoughtfully takes small purse from her pocket looks at wedding ring in it and kisses it gilbert goes quickly upstage then turns and looks at her after a moment he comes softly unperceived to centre kate kate rising with a start eric oh kate seeing gilbert you why have you come back reseating herself eric eric the young soldier who is privileged to wind the apron strings round his neck who lolls away his leisure here with his feet higher than his head and a cigar between his teeth don't heed me i don't know what i have said said call me by another man's name oh, i didn't mean to trap you kate rising trap takes up key basket i beg your pardon but it was concerning this very mr thorndyke that i returned to speak to you i won't hear you i'm going indoors i won't let you standing before her you know what you are here is it mistress and servant i was your mistress you are my discharged servant humbly then as an old servant i ask you to consider what this mr thorndyke really is a gentleman and a soldier not a gentleman because he's a soldier what does he do here pause we are friends they don't say that in the parlour of the white lion oh do they dare oh yes they dare <sighs> the idlers in a pothouse malign the woman out of whose land they get the very crust they eat covers her face with her hands and sits on garden seat how hard how cruel i have stopped their tongues when i have been by i have always said kate raising her head you mr hythe thank you in the future don't meddle with their legitimate pleasures <laughs> they have so little to amuse them how selfish i am the bell rings who's that the reverend paul dormer appears in the archway from left he is a dark-browed man about forty but with white hair he is attired as a clergyman but his dress is rusty shabby and slovenly he carries a heavy stick parson dormer kate rising mr dormer dormer comes down meeting gilbert you're gilbert hythe i think you think i right i am can you carry a basket where to to the white lion what for for the sake of a sick woman i can carry a basket to the white lion thank you gilbert looking at dormer for the sake of a sick woman dormer turning away ah gilbert to kate call me when i'm wanted squire i'm going to say good-bye to the dog goes off through archway to right dormer sits right of table if your business is with gilbert hythe you can dispense with the mistress of the house mr dormer about to go no i want you too really parson you haven't shown face at the prior's since father died two years ago you don't say how do you do to john verity's daughter and you don't say good day to the nearest approach to a squire that your parish can boast the one omission is rude the other impolitic i didn't like your father 
You resemble him in face and manner. My father didn't like you. She holds out her hand, going to him. How are you, parson? What can I do for you? He looks at her, takes her hand sulkily. Fill a basket with food, fit for an invalid, and send your man with it to Market Sinfield. Christy! To Dorma. A woman manages the white lion, I think. A woman mismanages the white lion. Kate clapping her hands. Christy! To Dorma. Shan't we hurt the landlady's feelings by sending food there? We shall. Christiana appears at door, wiping her hands on her apron. Now then, you, what's your name? Why don't you come when you're called? Who's calling me what's your name? Seeing Dorma. Hi, Parson. Curtsies at door. Dorma rises, shaking his stick at her. The gypsy girl, who won't sing the hymns on Sunday. You start them in such a high key, parson. Christiana, curtsying. Yes, squire, that he does. Dorma, raising his finger. The higher the key, madam, the nearer heaven. Passes behind table to left of it. Christiana laughs. Hush, Christy, come here. Christiana comes to Kate centre. Fill a basket with everything that is tempting, fit for an invalid. Gives key to Christy. Christiana to Dorma. For the lady at the White Lion, parson. Dorma, sitting left of table. I'm not here to feed woman's curiosity. Run along, Christy. Christy runs up the steps into the house right centre. Kate crosses softly over to Dorma and stands by table right of it. It is not often, Parson Dorma, that you stoop to ask help of a woman, by all accounts. Dorma, without looking at her. No. Don't think me rude, but in Market Sinfield the folks call you the woman-hater. What else do they call me in Market Sinfield? I... I... don't know. That's not true. That's not polite. What else do they call me in Market Sinfield? They call you the Mad Parson. Ah, the woman-hater and the Mad Parson. Contradictory terms. Moves stool to back of table and sits. You're not mad, Mr. Dormer, but you are rude. How long will that woman take to pack the basket? Are you a woman-hater, Mr. Dormer? I'm not a woman-lover. Kate, leaning her arms on table and looking at Dorma timidly. Have you always been a woman-hater, Parson? Dorma looks up quickly and turns away. How long will that woman take to pack that basket? Not very long. The Parson's arm is on the table. Kate places a hand on his sleeve. You... You haven't always been a woman-hater, Parson, have you? Dorma, drooping his head. No. Thank you, Parson. Was she pretty? I suppose she was. She must have been. Was she good? No answer. We've never had a chat together till now. Was she good? No. Oh. Rises and lays her hand on Dorma's shoulder. I'm so sorry. And now they tell me you've no woman folk at the rectory. No. Only awkward, clumsy men. Two honest men. Kate, looking at his shoulder. That's why your sleeve is coming away from your coat at the shoulder, for want of a few stitches. Shall I mend it for you? When will that woman bring the basket? Rises and crosses to centre. Kate, pointing to table, right. There's a needle and thread and a thimble on my table. Take off your coat and I'll sew it till the basket comes. Please. With a sigh of despair he lets her take off his coat, she standing behind him. That's the worst of women. I should never have known the coat was torn. Kate takes the coat over to right and sits on garden seat, 
mending coat. Dormer stands with his hands in his pockets. Would you rather go indoors, Parson? No, I'd rather stay where I am. Please to walk up and down, then, to avoid catching cold. Dormer sits obstinately at table. As he does so, the contents of one of his coat pockets drops at Kate's feet. Oh, dear! Something has fallen out of the pocket. Dormer, rising quickly. What is it? Kate picks up a clay pipe, much blackened. A clay pipe? Dirty one. Dormer, hurrying over to centre. Is it broken? Kate, handing it to him. Not a chip. Picking up a tobacco pouch, which has also dropped. Would you care to smoke? Dormer, returning to table. No, thank you, ma'am. Poor father used to feel great interest in the colouring of a clay pipe. Did he? I think better of him for it. But father had great troubles, which made him throw his pipes at the servant. Rises, comes across to Dormer, who is seated left-centre again, and offers pipe which she has filled, then strikes a match which she has brought from right table. I could load a pipe very nicely once. Father used to say I crammed pretty thoughts into it. Of course, I don't want you to say that if you don't think so. Gives him the match. Dorma, lighting pipe. Thank ye. Kate goes back to right and puts matches on table. Christiana enters from house right centre, carrying a basket, neatly packed and covered with a white napkin. Christiana comes down steps to centre. The basket is packed, parson. Chicken and jelly, sponge cakes, grapes. Seeing Dormer in his coat sleeves. Well, I never. Have you never seen a man with his coat off before? Never a clergyman, sir. Call Gilbert, Christie. He's by the kennel. Christiana goes up through the archway and calls. Gilbert! Would the sick lady like me to see her, parson? No, she doesn't speak in your language. A foreigner. Gilbert enters at back from right, takes the basket from Christiana, and comes down right centre to Kate. Christiana drops down left. I shall bring the keys of the barns and the oats house to you tonight, Squire. Also my books and such like. I should feel happier if you take them from me. Very well, Gilbert. And as you pass the cottages, tell Gunyon the shepherd to come to me. He will do your duties from tomorrow. Gunyon is a very old man. I know that. Looking at him. But it's safer. Gilbert turns away and goes to Dormer. Um. Is there any message with the basket? No, I'll follow you when I've smoked my pipe. Gilbert rests his gun against the right side of the arch. To Christiana. I'll come back for the gun, Christy. Christiana goes into outhouse left. As Gilbert walks through the archway, Lieutenant Thorndyke passes him with a careless nod. Hello, Heath. Playing a little red riding hood? Mind the wolf. Gilbert looks angrily at him and goes off left. Eric comes down. He is a handsome young fellow with an indolent manner. Crossing to Kate. How do you do, squire? What brings you here? Strolled over from barracks. Doctor says I must walk, and your place is somewhere to walk to. Do you know Mr. Dormer? Eric, turning to Dormer. No, but my mother does. How do you do? Eric shakes hands with Dorma. Dorma draws his hand away quickly and puts his hand in Trouser's pocket. Mrs. Thorndyke is a parishioner of yours, Mr. Dormer. Her son ought to know a little of you. If her son attended his church regularly, he would know a little of me. So my mother says. And you're not afraid of catching cold? No, sir, I am not. Have you never seen a man with his coat off? I uh, beg your pardon, never a clergyman. Kate has finished mending the coat and has risen. Eric takes out his cigar case, offering it to Dorma. Smoke a cigar, Parson? Kate 
catching his arm. No. I... I like to see the parson with a pipe. Aside. He mustn't see that. She points to the inside flap of the case, which is worked with an inscription in silk, and crosses behind Eric to Dorma. Eric, aside, reading inscription. Kate's love to Eric. Oh, by Jove, I forgot. He crams cigar case hurriedly into his pocket. Kate crosses to Dorma, left centre, with coat. Eric saunters over to garden seat right and sits. Kate assists Dorma to put on his coat. I really must give up walking. I'm quite knocked up. The British officer seems very easily knocked up. The British officer, at whose expense so many people make merry, is a mild creature in piping times of peace. No offence to the clay, parson. Eric lights a cigar. Dorma crosses right centre to speak to him. Kate looks on anxiously, fearing a quarrel. And in times of war, sir? The British officer, I am credibly informed, is a demon when roused. Putting his legs up on garden seat. I have never been roused. You don't like my profession, parson? No, sir, I do not. I often wish my mother had made me a parson. Why, sir? Because, sir, a clergyman is the only man in the world privileged to be rude on the subject of another person's calling. Kate approaches them. A clergyman, sir, is a professional truth-teller. I've known a common soldier to be a practical one. I recognize no profession which creates idlers. My dear parson, it is the most industrious people who never really do anything. After all, the bees only make honey, and how exceedingly well everybody could get on without honey. An idler, sir, often does mischief against his will. Kate, laying her hand on his sleeve. Mr. Dormer, don't. And brings evil into a region where the very purity of the air nourishes it. Mr. Thorndyke, beware of idling. Miss Verity, beware of idlers. Good day, sir. Crosses to table left for hat, and then goes up to archway. Kate gets to right of him. Eric, closing his eyes with fatigue. Must you really go? Takes out sporting times. You'll come again, Mr. Dormer, some day when Mr. Thorndyke isn't here? If I come again, see that it be then. What do you mean? Dormer putting his hand on her shoulder. Years ago, Kate Verity, I closed one book forever. It was called Woman. As I see the tide ebb and flow without passion, so I watch a woman in her rise and her fall with a still heart. They are both beyond me. Mark me, I care no more for you, as a woman, than for the beggars in our high street. But... For the sake of the charities which stand to the account of one squire Kate, I throw into the current a small pebble. What is that? Keeps her eyes on Eric. Dorma, pointing in the direction of Eric. Repair those old gates, and keep that young gentleman on the other side of them. Suppose I like the young gentleman. If he marries in his mother's lifetime, he is a pauper. I know that. What business has he here? It kills time. So does the racket court at Pegley Barracks. A friend likes a friend better than rackets. And a woman likes a lover better than a friend. There, I have thrown my pebble. The tide washes it away. Christiana enters from left, carrying mug and a glass of milk. She gives mug to Dorma and places glass on table waits till Dorma has finished, and then takes Mug off with her. Will you tie the milk, gentlemen? Dorma stands left of table. Christiana goes out as Gunnion enters through archway. Gunnion is a very old man, a dirty specimen of the agriculturalist with straggling grey hair and an unshaven chin. He wears a battered hat, 
worsted stockings, and huge boots. He speaks in a broad country dialect. Morning, Squire. Kate, sitting right of table. Good afternoon, Mr. Gunyon. Gunyon, seeing Dormer. Lord bless my eyesight. There's Parson Dormer, a-drinking a mug of milk, as natural as can be. The very man I wanted for to see. Seeing Eric. Aye, and there's the young lieutenant. Well, he be fond of our bit of a place. Eric, raising his head. Uh, who's that? Seeing Gunyon. Oh, are you quite well? Relapsing. I'm an old man, I am. I ain't got a tooth in me head. Eric, dreamily. Don't name it. Have you heard the news, Mr. Gunyon? I hear how Gilbert Ive leaves the Priors, and that I'm to do his duties. How do you like the prospect? I'm an old man, I am. I ain't got a tooth in me head. But says Gilbert Ive to me, Mr. Gunnion, if you do double duty, you'll get adequate remuneration. Of course you will, Mr. Gunnion. To which I said, if I had the chance, I'd die for the squire. Give him the chance. Then that is settled, and you are headman here. You enter on your new duties at once. Which I shall do all the freer when I've got a burden off my chest. Dormer rises as if to leave. A burden? Don't you go, parson, for you're the man to lift it. What's the burden, Gunnion? Dormer comes down below chair. Gunnion goes up through the archway and calls. Felicity! My daughter, squire. Felicity Gunnion! Felicity enters here from right. Is that the little girl who sings so sweetly in the choir? Aye, her singing's sweet enough, but her behaviour's horrid. Oh dear, oh dear. Dormer resumes his seat. Felicity enters through the archway. Felicity is a pretty little girl with a sweet face and simple manner. Her dress is rustic but clean and tidy. She comes down right centre and makes a curtsy. Sit down, Felicity. Felicity sits on stone, centre. In heaven's name, why Felicity? We called her Felicity, Parson, because she was our thirteenth offspring. Good gracious. She's the only one left. The other dozen are all out in the world. Some doing precious well, some doing precious bad. Most of them precious bad. Felicity is a great consolation to you, isn't she? Squire, that girl is a weight on my chest. You wouldn't have guessed it to look at her, but Felicity Gunyon is a desolate character. A desolate character? A mad-brained, rampageous, desolate character. She's at as fine a schooling as you, Squire. Piano, twelve lessons singing six lessons deportment as they call it deportment i taught her notwithstanding the all of which her writing's despisable her grammar's shocking and her spelling's beastly and lord oh lord she's in love with a soldier works round behind felicity to write of her during speech Eric, shuddering. Ah, oh, what a depravity. Why, Felicity, come here. Felicity crosses to right of Kate. In love with a soldier? Kisses her. Is that true, dearie? It's true, squire. He's in the 84th now at Pagley Barracks. That is Mr. Thorndyke's regiment. Felicity, curtsying to Eric. Then you'd know him, sir. A fine-looking gentleman with a dark moustache, Sergeant Tom Morris. Morris? Oh, yes, I know him. Aside. Morris, poor little soul. What do you want with me, Gunnion? 
why parson i thought the girl being in the choir and sitting well forward in the gallery as you might so to speak preach right full at her the sergeant goes to church too and you could lug him in at the finish with the sinners oh don't parson don't is the girl happy at home no parson that's it i'm not happy at home i i i i'm not fond of dear father hear that that's not the first time she said it she said it on friday kate to felicity hush you mustn't speak like that i love my father so much and his memory is the sweetest thing left me yes squire and i'm sure i shall love father's memory but he's not kind and he's rude to those who are good to me especially the sergeant and i've said that i'll run away and i mean it for you know i'm to be tom morris's wife and travel with him to the beautiful places where the regiment goes kate aside to dormer what shall i do parson kate and dormer rise gunnion pinches felicity dormer aside she's only a baby keep her as long as you can gunnion gunnion and dormer speak upstage centre in archway eric rises and stands right centre kate to felicity pointing to door left go to that door child and call christy felicity crosses to left door kate goes to eric right centre to eric do you know this morris yes what kind of man is he felicity at door left christy the biggest scoundrel in the regiment christiana appears at door left christiana to felicity how are you i'm gunyan's daughter christiana frowning who told you to call christy eric to kate poor little woman do her a good turn strolls off right first exit kate sits on stone right centre felicity felicity comes to her kate passes across in front of her to right felicity kneels christiana watches them with a dark look from door left gunnion and dormer look on from upstage would you like to be my little maid and brush my hair and lace my dresses for me felicity kneels beside kate on her right and sing to me when i'm lonely oh squire and i can darn and mend and mark and i can read and squire well will you let me tell you all about tom morris perhaps christy gives her her key from chatelaine christiana left centre felicity gunnion is coming to live with us and to be my little maid take her upstairs and give her the small room above mine felicity rises and goes right centre i beg your pardon squire but i have been good enough to wait on you since you were that i what's wrong with me now wrong christy only that you're an industrious hard-working girl and deserve a helpmate christiana tugging at her apron impetuously i don't want a helpmate i want all you squire we were children together you and me mistress and maid don't have your heart now squire i can't bear it kate rises my heart's large enough christy for all folks christiana biting her lips i can't help what i'm saying i won't bear it hush hush take the child upstairs and don't be silly goes up to gunnion and dormer christiana crosses to felicity centre in an undertone to felicity you're the girl that they say is in love with a soldier aren't you yes miss a soldier that's why the squire has gushed over you isn't it no miss christiana contemptuously no miss shaking her finger at felicity now listen to one word from me you get wed to your common soldier as soon as you can hook him do you hear why 
because as long as you're in this house there's mischief and bad blood in it upon my soul there is come along and see your bedroom she seizes felicity by the arm and takes her up the steps into the house pushing her in front of her gunnion and kate come down well i'm mightily obliged to you squire i'll bring the brat's box down to-night that i will do gunnion are you thirsty thirsty i'm perishing for a drop of drink get it for yourself gunnion crosses to left door and gunnion gunnion turns milk milk no ale till to-morrow night i'm the father of thirteen i am i ain't got a tooth in me head did i understand you squire to say milk yes milk joins dormer in archway eric saunters on from right first exit and sits on seat right looks at kate's book for a moment gunnion downcast milk he goes off door left dormer upstage with kate will you walk towards market sinfield mr thorndyke eric on seat right uh, not yet parson thanks dormer turning away bah kate stopping him you will come to the harvest supper parson dormer won't you dormer looking at eric no and smoke your clay pipe like father used to dormer looking at kate perhaps he goes off through archway to left kate watches him through archway till he has disappeared then she comes softly to door left listens for a moment and sees that it is closed she then crosses to right centre gives a glance at the house and runs to eric's side eric puts his arms round her and kisses her fondly music ceases dear old eric kneeling my darling wife hush you noisy fellow whisper it there's a good boy now she bends her head he whispers wife kate takes her wedding ring from her purse and gives it to him place my ring upon my finger eric for a moment he slips the ring on her finger and kisses her hand pressing the ring to her lips i have so much in my heart to tell you oh husband storm clouds storm clouds let them break kate love is a good substantial umbrella a gingham dear a gingham they are talking in market sinfield about me i envy them their topic i can't bear it eric what shall i do the yokels mustn't see me here so frequently that's all kate rises to stop their tongues and break my heart eric turn your back to me i have something to say to you they sit back to back fire away darling eric when we two were wed a year ago our compact was that our marriage should never become known during your mother's lifetime that's it wifey because your pride would never allow you to share my means very true kate now eric doesn't it strike you that you were in the wrong no because if a man will take from a woman something so precious as her love surely he may share with her anything so paltry as her money eric turns to embrace her my darling kate looking round don't eric i shall have to go indoors if you behave badly my dear kate there is another point of view which presents itself to the prudent husband what's that how much does prior's mesny bring you in oh dear i'm afraid to tell you ah it's not my fault i've done everything i could well then kate my pay and my mother's allowance top up to three hundred and fifty a year and my darling uh, i'm in debt kate 
turning and seizing him by the shoulder. Oh, Eric, how can you? Eric, laughingly. Oh, don't, dear. I shall have to go home if you behave badly. Why, Eric, some of my farmhands flourish with families on eighteen shillings a week. Yes, darling, there are animals who live on flesh and fruit, and there are animals who subsist on nuts. If I were a beast, I could not look at a nut. If you tried very hard, Eric, do you think you could write? I've been taught to dear. <laughs> no, no. I mean in journals and magazines. Never can write anything fluently but a check, and that's not always presentable. I'm an ornament, Kate, or nothing, I'm afraid. I'm nothing but your sweetheart. She bows her head in her hands. Why, Kate, this is one of your gloomy days. Kate rises and dries her eyes with a handkerchief. I suppose, Eric, there is not the faintest ray of hope that your mother would ever forgive you for your marriage. Not the faintest. Poor mother, I'm the only living thing belonging to her upon earth. I once persuaded her to keep rabbits with a view of diverting her affections. It didn't answer. Kate walks slowly to centre by stone. Eric follows her. You are not up to yourself, Kate. Brighten up. Aren't you happy? Kate gives a quick look round. Is any man's love so strong for a woman that he would beggar himself for her sake? Why, Kate? What sacrifice will you make for me? Tell me how many bright golden prospects you will blot out for the silly woman you have married. Quick. What is it you wish? Kate, seizing his hand. Eric, publish our foolish marriage of a year ago. Let it be known and laughed at in every house and every inn-yard in the country. Do this for me, and for heaven's sake, do it quickly. Eric, holding her hand. A little silly gossip has upset you. It can't be, dear. Then, as surely as we stand here, man and wife, you drive me from the place where I was born, where even every weed growing on my poor, poverty-stricken land has a voice for me, where the women and children love and pray for me. You, the man who has brought this ill upon my head, drive me out. Turns up a little. What do you mean? Where are you going? To hide, abroad, anywhere, in any hole and corner where no soul knows me. Comes down to front of stone centre. Eric, going to her. Kate, you have some secret. Tell me it. Kate, with his hand in hers, she turns from him. <laughs> Can't you guess? Sinks on stone. Kate. Dear, dear husband. There is a pause, then Eric raises her and kisses her. Kate, my dear, fetch me pen and ink and some writing paper. She crosses sadly to the steps and turns to him, halfway up steps. Husband. Wife. Foot on first step. Are you angry? Eric, taking her hands in his. Angry. Runs up to her. Kate. Drawing his breath. You are a wonder. Kiss. She runs into the house. Eric leans a moment with elbow on pillar, descends steps, rubs his ear, one foot resting on bottom step, then whistles, see the conquering hero comes, and crosses to left table and takes up his mug of milk. Raising the mug. Baby's health. He drinks. Kate comes out of the house carrying a small desk. She places it on table right. He crosses to her. Kate, looking at the closed desk. There. I haven't brought the key. Eric, searching his pockets. Uh, try my keys. Uh, um, oh, I, I forgot. I have had no keys for the last week or so. Crosses to seat right, pulls table forward. Kate opening the desk. It isn't locked. How silly of me. They sit side by side with the desk open before them. What are you going to do, dear? Write of Eric. Listen to this. Writing. 
mother i have sown my wild oats in squire verity's farm and have reaped a rich crop of womanly love and duty dear old boy touches his right hand you made me make a blot writing i suppose you will shut your heart upon me so be it but if heaven ever gives us a little daughter i promise you she shall bear the name of my dear old mother your dutiful eric folds and addresses the letter what are you going to do with it leave it at the packmores on my way back to pagley give it boldly to stibbs the butler and run off as fast as my legs can carry me christiana comes out of the house on to balcony hearing voices below she bends over slyly and catches sight of eric and kate who are gazing dubiously at the letter what a red letter day for both of us eric eric pocketing letter what a red letter day for mother when she has read this letter christiana aside between her teeth and that's the woman they made a saint of in margaret senfield and she dares to turn her back on me for felicity kate to eric must you go eric taking out watch oh look gilbert enters through the archway from left and takes up his gun kate to eric don't let the idlers at the white lion see you on the high road gilbert hearing voices turns aside watching eric the man who has robbed me of my hope my ambition if i stay another day at the priors i shall go mad gunnion and isod with very uncertain steps and supporting each other shoulder to shoulder stagger out of the outhouse up to the archway christiana aside felicity not the name for this house she takes the bunch of keys from her pocket and looks at them exultingly ah oh, i shall have to jingle you yet eric rises to part christiana draws back gilbert stops gunnion and isod my successor taking gunnion's hand god bless you man may you be happier in my shoes than i have been gunnion hiccups confound you you're not sober milk music curtain falls quickly end of act one